0: You made me real. You're listening to the BC Buckets Podcast. This is Matt Gall, joined by head coach of the Briarcliff University Basketball Program, Mark Uh It's Super Bowl Sunday. As most of our listeners probably know, I'm a Chiefs fan, so it's a big day in the Gall household. Coach, I ran into you this morning at the grocery store, so as you saw, I was getting ready for tonight. It looked like you were getting some things for tonight. So what,
1: what are your plans? You know, nothing. Simple gonna gonna make a little food we're gonna we're gonna watch the game that's about it not doing anything not going anywhere um you know as you know matt i'm not a huge nfl fan um, obviously i'm gonna watch the super bowl but uh you know it's not a huge deal to me it's not like the final four it's not like national championship college football game those, those are bigger deals for me than the super bowl but uh you know we're gonna we'll make some some cheese dip you know maybe something else we'll see how the day goes but uh it's more about the food than the football for me at this point.
0: There you go. That's all right. I mean, it, up until the last couple of years, the Super Bowl was just an event, a social event for me. And when you have a team or have a dog in the fight, it makes things a little more interesting. I know we talked a couple of weeks ago how I placed some some small uh, hedge bets on the Bills just so if the Chiefs went down, that I'd be able to salvage some kind of joy. From that, uh, I will say, yeah, to, I, I
1: still say that's that's BS on your part. Well, stick. With what I said a
0: couple weeks ago. Yeah, and I caught plenty of crap about that uh, from from people in my circles. But I will say this week, and I'm not a huge better, but uh, I did put a couple of wagers down, and everything is all Chiefs this week with a couple of of uh, prop bets. So if uh, fullback Anthony Sherman scores the first touchdown today, I think I make a hundred bucks or something like that. So I'm pulling for. First- <laughs> Tyreek Hill uh, gets tackled at the one, and then we just do something right up the middle with Anthony Sherman. We'll see. I doubt it, but I'll take my chances. So, uh, and we'll talk about the Super Bowl here in a minute. We've got a good episode for the week. We'll be joined shortly by uh, new head coach of the Briarcliff football program, Shane Ladege. He'll be joining us here in just a second. But before we get into that, we should talk about uh, basketball from the last week. And um, you know, Wednesday night just crazy game. Um, you know, you guys were down at halftime, come back, take a lead. Jaden Klein Hessling scores with a second and a half, something like that. 1.3 seconds on the clock. Uh, Jamestown goes with a full court pass, tip it to a guy, shoots the three sinks it. What goes through your head coach when
1: you lose on a, a buzzer beater like that? Well, it's, it's a gut punch, man. Um, you know, and I, I think back to a, a guy I used to work for, He you know, he always said basketball can be a cruel mistress. And, uh, you know, with, in that situation, you, you run a roller coaster of emotions, you know, you hit that, that shot to go ahead. And it was actually Connor Groves that scored it, Matt, not Jaden, you know, you go ahead and, you know, my immediate focus. And as a coach, your immediate focus goes to, okay, there's still time on the clock, you know, you know, the players are excited and rightfully so, and the bench is going crazy and then they hit that shot, and it's just you go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows in 1.3 seconds, and that's that's basketball sometimes, unfortunately. And, you know, from the game standpoint, take the 1.3 seconds out of it. We played a great game. Um, you know, I think Jamestown's a really, really good team. They present a lot of issues for us with their size across the board, and I thought we did a really good job of, of negating that. Uh, their four-man, Mason Walters, leads the conference in scoring and rebounding. And we held him well below both averages. I thought we did a great job there. And, you know, sometimes the cruel lesson is you you can play a great game. You can do a lot of really good things and still get beat. And that's, that's frustrating. It's a, it's a good life lesson. It's just a frustrating one in the moment because that's, you know, it probably wasn't the best 40-minute game we played, but it might have been the best 20-minute second half we played all year. Um, you know, we've been in that situation, unfortunately, where we're down eight to 10 at halftime a a few times and it's, it's not ended up all that well for us. And so to be able to fight back, take the lead, you know, I was really proud of the guys. I mean, the effort they played with the, I think the biggest thing, we just played with a real sense of urgency and, and that's something we need to carry forward as we, you know, look ahead. We have one regular season game left and then obviously we'll go into the postseason. That's that urgency is, is huge for us. And that's something over the next almost two weeks of practice here um, is going to be a focal point. And, you know, it's not always about, yeah, we need to execute, but you can make mistakes. If you're playing with that kind of urgency, you're going to have a shot. And that that's what we got to do. So, yeah, that's, you know, and, and I told our players too, Matt, we've been on the other side of that you know, and, and sports have a way of balancing out over the long haul. You do it long enough. You're going to be on both sides of that. And when you, when you win, it's awesome. And when you lose, it's absolutely devastating. And, you know, either way you have to move on and and not let it affect the next game. And that, you know, that brings us to yesterday's game um, against Hastings and, and having a chance to bounce back. Obviously we got the win and, um, you know, happy about that. I thought we played a, a little bit of a lethargic first half offensively. I thought we really guarded well all day. Um, first half offensively, we were a little lethargic, maybe a step slow. That forced us to force some shots that we didn't need to force. And the second half, we kind of settled in a little bit and, and got things going. And, you know, yesterday our bench was huge for us. Um, you know, Andrew Gibb was the leading scorer of 16 off the bench. Um, I think Friedel had nine or ten. Will Johnson had maybe seven. Um, but those guys brought big minutes, and a couple of the two biggest runs we made in the game were when those guys were in, and that's having that depth, and when those guys play well off the bench, obviously, that's a huge bonus for us. So now
0: you have kind of an unusual break
1: here at this point in the
0: season. It's, uh, it's kind of unusual to have almost a couple weeks off before your next game, but uh, next game and the last regular season game of the year will be Dort at home on the 20th with an extended break like this late in the season, what do you do with your normal routines or your schedule? At what point will you start looking at what Dort's doing and, and focus on them? Do you build in some rest? I mean, what, what do you do at this point in the season? Well, obviously you want to carry what momentum you have into postseason play.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, we kind of decided a week ago, excuse me, and, and we let the guys give some input on this, how we wanted to handle this time and, you know, so we're going to take a few days off here and there. Basically, we're going to we're going to be on a two days on one day off routine for basically two weeks. Um, and to answer your question, you know, when do we look at Dort? sometime next week? You know, it's 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 rare to have this kind of time to just work on yourself. And I told the guys in the locker room yesterday, there's still things we can get better at. There's still things we can do to improve our chances as we get ready for the post-season. So let's do that. Let's just worry about us. We're not going to worry about Dort. We're not going to worry about, you know, who we could play in the conference tournament. So that's all going to work itself out. Right now, let's just – let's focus on Briarcliff and try to get as good as we can at what we do. I mean, this you know, we're not going to change anything. This time of the year, you're, you're going to do what you're going to do, and you just want to be really, really good at it. Um, you know, so that's that. Probably mid-next week we'll start talking about Dort um, and getting ready for that game on the twentieth, and you know what's interesting, this this gap and the reason we have it is because you know the G Pack as a conference had a lot of issues in the fall with soccer, volleyball, football, and postponements and finding makeup dates, and we had the opportunity to move two games that were supposed to be in this time frame up to December to leave ourselves some wiggle room, um, which was a great idea. And then as it turned out, they're just there's only one rescheduled game across the conference in men's basketball. And so I think it was the right, I think it was the right thing to do, you know, it just kind of worked out where we didn't actually need it, but you'd rather be over-prepared, I suppose, especially at the end of the year, because, you know, after Saturday the 20th, if you don't have your games and you're not playing them, you know, you can't move past the end of the regular season to, to try to make up a game. And so it's, uh, it's weird, but Also going to be, we're going to be well-rested against Dort on the 20th. There's no doubt about that. So we don't have any games to talk about this week.
0: And we'll talk about that game (laughs) on next week's podcast as we get a little bit closer. But uh, without any other games to talk about, we can go ahead and just get right into our uh, guest for the week. And uh, this is a guest that, uh, or somebody who I've I've been excited to uh, chat with, somebody who's been on campus now for uh, I suppose, a month or two at this point. Uh, and that's head coach of the Barcliffe football team, Shane Ladege Shane, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Now, you know, we, we talked about this right up at the top about our Super Bowl predictions. Um, and before we started recording, you had mentioned that you're a Broncos fan. So <laughs> can I get your your most uh, unbiased prediction as to what goes on tonight while leaving any kind of rivalry issues or anything like that out of it? How do you think the game plays out tonight? I
2: think it's down to the wire, um, but I think the uh, the Bucks win by seven. I just, uh, I got a hard time betting against Tom Brady,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and with everything that kind of went down with the Chiefs yesterday, with Andy Reid's son and all that, I just, man, and Mark could attest to this, the last thing you want in a game like this is distractions. And when it's distractions on your staff and then that direct directly affect your head coach as well, like that's just, I don't know. And it doesn't sound like a situation that becomes a kind of something they can rally around either. You know, so I just, yeah. with that, I don't know how you bet against Tom Brady. But, I mean, if anybody can do it, that Chiefs offense is, is scary good. So I'm more so, I'm not a big NFL fan either. Um, in terms of following it real close, this is probably as close as I've ever followed it with not having football in the fall um, where I was at. So uh, I'm not really, I just want to see a good game. You know, you don't want to watch the Super Bowl and it's over at halftime. You know, you want to you want to follow something down to the wire. So that's really what I'm hoping for.
0: Yeah, and I think it will be. I think uh, mm-hmm. I this being like, a, I think my prediction was 37-31. Chiefs, of There we go. Yep we're kind of thinking along the same lines. Is, is that an unbiased prediction, Matt? I mean, you as coach to take his <laughs> well, bias. Oh, the bias prediction would be 45 to 22, something like that. <laughs> well, I'm being, right, I'm being more than fair, but fair we'll fair. see. I mean, at, at this point, uh, I'm just – I'm so happy that this game's happening and that this season happened. And, no doubt. I mean, it could have easily been – we're sitting here talking about hopefully next season happens. Yep. So. Uh, yeah, whatever happens, happens. But obviously, uh, I'll go to bed much happier tonight if the Chiefs <laughs> figure out a way to pull it out. So, well, Coach, uh, thanks for coming on. You know, it's um, it's like I said, I've I've been uh, excited to to chat with you and to hear more about um, your path and how you ended up at Briar So, why don't we just start with that? Can you just tell our listeners where you've been up till now and ultimately led mm-hmm. you here to the cliff?
2: Yeah, so I grew up in Parker, Colorado, which is just south of Denver. After high school, I went and played at Southwest Minnesota State, which is up in Marshall, Minnesota, so not too far from here. Uh, Played there five years, had a pretty good career. Uh, Really changed a program and the culture around there. When I got there, I think there was 48 guys on the roster the spring before and signed a big class that I was a part of and, you know, started flipping a lot of things and developed a winning program, uh, then coached there for two years as a GA. Um, went to the Mineral Water Bowls, first postseason birth in program history my last year there, which was cool. Um, then I went to St. Joseph's College for a year, which is a small private Catholic school um, in Rensselaer, Indiana. Uh, now, no longer a school. They actually shut down a couple years after I left, which was unfortunate because they, from an athletic standpoint, um, had some really good things going. Football was winning a bunch. Uh, they had, had a pretty solid basketball program and baseball was one of, is one of the better, or was one of the better Division II programs in the country. So I um, learned a lot about that and kind of fell in love with that small private school uh, feel. Um, from there, I went to the University of Wyoming for two years where I coached tight ends um, as a graduate assistant. Uh, so had a really good experience there. Same thing of completely building a culture. Um, and starting over. Um, I went in with, with Coach Bull when he left NDSU. I got hired on to join them. Had a ton of success, was part of the Josh Allen getting there and uh, being able to coach him for a year. Um, had a, got a tight end that I coached that's playing for the Seahawks now, that won a couple of Super Bowls with uh, the Patriots too. So a um, bunch of guys from that roster, those couple years they're playing in the NFL. So it was really fun to see that caliber of player um, and just be around um, a guy like Coach Bull that knows how to have success and win and, and do it the right way. Um, then from there, my kind of GA time frame ran out, um, and, and I coached a guy at St. Joe that was up at Minot State. I actually helped him get that job, so I developed a little bit of relationship with their old head coach. Um, was back in the league I played in, obviously, in the NSIC, so um, it kind of just worked out, a little bit of blind faith, Running up there, but I was, you know, in this point as a GA where there just wasn't a lot really popping that I was from a job standpoint. You know, there was a couple FCS opportunities that just man, it was not a great situation. So, went to Minot, had a rough first year. Our head coach got fired. I got retained, was the interim head coach, which was really fun and kind of a whirlwind. I found out on December 23rd on a car ride to my in laws for Christmas and we ended up signing 38 guys. They hired our head coach on signing day, so it was kind of our whole staff um, that kind of ran that thing. It was fun, Uh, a lot of work, but I think we developed a lot of trust. Um, So we were retained. Had a pretty solid kind of four-year run, uh, up and down from a win-loss standpoint, but we had to completely gut the program um, and really start over. Really felt good about if we would have played football this fall, that we would have really taken that next step in our program and kind of gone from that lower echelon of NSIC's teams to really that middle to kind of that top third. Um, we thought we made a lot of progress. We had offensive newcomer of the year in nineteen as a freshman running back. We felt like we had a defensive kid that was probably should have got defensive player of the year. Um, had a talented quarterback and a really good old line coming back. So we were we we're excited about maybe taking that next step, um, but um, kind of got the urge to, to make that next step in my career and um,
1: really honestly
2: wasn't looking at all but it's kind of been in the back of my head of preparing for it and being ready and then I got a call from my old college quarterback who's married to Corby, our baseball coach's sister and uh, I went to college with Corby too. He played baseball at Southwest and uh, said, hey, I think there might be something for you. I had no idea that uh, Coach Wagner had been let go and the staff up to that point. And then um, it kind of just progressed pretty quickly. You know, I, I put my stuff together and got it in and probably annoyed uh, Nick, AD, quite a bit, trying to constantly communicate, wasn't hearing back. But well, I was going to be a bulldog with it and not back down. Um, had some connections to, to Mark with our basketball coach at Minot State. So was trying to find an angle any way I could, right? I just, I don't believe in not if you're gonna go for a job like that, I, I think you gotta go all in and show you truly are interested. Um, and then really it just kinda, it took off quick. You know, mm-hmm. those couple of those, these Zoom meetings uh, with COVID, which makes it interesting. Um, felt like they went really well and then was invited on campus. Um, again, kind of an interesting interview process with having to do, do some stuff on Zoom. Um, I actually knew I'm friends with the other two guys that were the finalists. So it just kind of made for a really interesting experience because everybody's kind of, you're kind of pulling for your buddy still, like, you know, it's potentially good hands, but at the same time you're competitive and I wanted it. Um, And then, you know, really enjoyed, especially meeting Mark, uh, a couple of other coaches on campus, obviously knowing Corby, it just felt like the right fit. And I I tell the story, I, I got done with the interview and I wasn't, Two minutes off campus and I called my wife like listen if this happens there's no way you know we could say no like unless obviously some he you know, offers me a garbage amount of money or something which I didn't think <laughs> was gonna happen but you know you're like <laughs> right. unless you're you're taking a step back financially from where you're at now um, mm-hmm. there's no way right and it's a I mean I love Minot but Sioux City just from a location and stuff to do mm-hmm. and recruiting base so much. So we were, we were excited and kind of the opportunity to bring in the guys I wanted to bring in to coach with me too, was a, was a big reason why. So, yeah, but everybody's been great. Nick's awesome. I love our president. The other coaches that I've spent time with have been great. You know, I don't think there's any reason to not be successful here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I say all the time morning sides right across town and look what they're doing. And there's really not much differences in terms of facilities academic support, what we offer, you know, they just got some tradition. Um, I don't think financially, you know, we're far off in terms of what we can give our kids. And, you know, I think success will breed some more things that we're able to offer, right? But, um, you know, I just, I think we can battle them on some kids. I think we, whenever you, you get some new fresh blood in and there's some excitement, I think we can win on some of those guys early and hopefully flip this thing, you know, in due time, it was important me to do it right, too. Um, so I wasn't looking for a place where they said, hey, we got to win now, you know, by yeah. all costs, because that's never the right way to go about it. And I don't want to be a transfer-heavy team and get into that world. You know, I want to win in our backyard and then kind of move out from there, which this will be, you know, that was a big selling point in my interview process, but there's also, there's everybody here that's also difficult for that. It's now, you know, starting in January and, trying to clean up. We've signed nine kids, you know, eight of them are regional Mm -hmm. from within a two hour radius of here. Um, But those guys are, there's not a lot of them left, you know, just with the time frame. So we'll still have to go outside of our base a little bit this year, but I'm hoping moving forward, you know, we won't, we won't be in that position to have to do that much anymore.
0: Well, you've had some experience, like you said, in building programs and, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not that Briarcliff's, kind of been you know we've hit some highs where we've uh-huh. approached 500 and, and gotten there but it's always kind of been a work in process what about coming into a situation where you have an opportunity to build a program what what about that appeals to you because I would imagine that could come with frustration and you know there's there's a lot more that you have to sell your recruits in terms uh-huh. of this is where we're headed rather than you know other programs say this is where we've been and where we are. Yeah. about that appeals to you? I don't know. I just, I don't know what really
2: appeals. I guess it's just my personality because it's been everywhere I've been from, you know, high school as a player was really the only time I was ever part of a program that had that true type of tradition from a consistent basis, right? And so I don't know. It's something that's just kind of ingrained in me and who I am. Um, I enjoy, I do enjoy the underdog chip on the shoulder. It's kind of who I am, how I was raised. Um, I enjoy the process of, you know, seeing a kid come in and he's not supposed to be a whole heck of a lot and you, you see him develop and turn into something pretty special. And it's just, again, I don't know that there's a distinct reason why, um, I just enjoy that process. And I think if you can find it where it's the right people in place,
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: you know, that you enjoy being around, you know, I really feel like you could turn some things around fairly quickly. And that's honestly, the end of the day, just what I felt, that there's great support here, great people. Um, You can see other sports have already been successful, whether it's been basketball or baseball or soccer. You know, you've seen some success, so you know it can happen. And I felt like from a a leadership standpoint, you know, Nick and our president, uh, Dr. Carstens, were on board that being successful in football helps everything. Right. It helps all sports. It helps our university. We're going to have the biggest enrollment numbers. Um, You know, you're going to potentially between football and basketball are going to be your biggest crowds and opportunity to bring the most people to campus, you know. And so, kind of behind the scenes, that's been something I've made very, made people aware that I'd like to find a way to get football back on campus somehow, some way. What do we have to do? Um, What can I help with that process? Because, you know, even with COVID, you just go to a basketball game, you see the fans and, you know that Wednesday night game, even though we didn't come out top, but there was some serious energy and juice in that gym, and you yeah. can imagine what it's like when it's at capacity. And why wouldn't you want to have that same thing from football? Mm-hmm. You know, going down a Memorial, I mean, is what it is, but that's not that's not where we need to play football. You know, if we can get it back here, I think it it's going to create a lot of excitement and get people back on campus that maybe don't typically do that. And I think there's there is some genuine interest in that from our leadership. So that was something that was really exciting to me
1: too in the process. So I'm going to jump in here. So I got a couple random tidbits from the, you know, process of hiring coach here. So number one, he said, he mentioned when he met me on his interview and just a fun fact, I was literally on like 45 minutes of sleep at that time. We had played at <laughs> Jamestown on, on Tuesday night. And you know I think I walked in my house about 520 in the morning and had to be back up at school a little after seven because I was a part of the football hiring process. And uh, so I don't know how well my first impression was. Maybe I faked (laughs) it really well, but uh, so I got to call coach out on something too. And his first Zoom interview um, with Briar Cliff, he made a comment about how he wears boots and jeans every day. And so every time I've seen him, I've just kind of double checked that. And yesterday, or not yesterday, Friday, he was wearing tennis shoes, and I had to call him out on it. But, uh, you know, in the process, I I got a lot of phone calls from basketball people who, you know, were connected to coach in one way, shape, or form. And um, even after we hired him, I was getting calls like, hey, this guy's legit. That's a big-time get for Briar Cliff." And so, you know, that, that speaks volumes to me when I got guys I trust calling me, texting me, telling me those things and so it's been uh you know you can see the work they're doing already and coming in in January and you know nine kids from a from the football standpoint it's not a ton to sign on signing day but in a month it's pretty impressive and so I think uh I think the program's in good hands and I'm obviously excited to watch that moving forward because I think it's pretty well known on the podcast and I'm a huge football fan um so and I think I know a lot about it but I probably don't and so Coach, that, that's going to lead me to my question here. So you're an offensive guy. Yep. You know, in a perfect world, what what's a Cliff offense going to look like?
2: Well, it's not going to happen this year. I can promise you that. But a perfect world, we're a 12 personnel, two tight end team like can run inside zone, outside zone, a got power. And we can play action the crap out of you. And we can move our tight ends everywhere. We can flex them out. We can bring in tight. We can be in I formation. Um, I want a quarterback that can run. Um, so that's something maybe we don't necessarily have yet in our program, but I want to you get a quarterback that's a threat in the run game, you create an extra gap and an extra person to defend, and that's really hard on defenses. And then when you do it out of twelve personnel, and now you've added two extra run gaps and run fits to it. I mean it's it can terrorize a defense and, and make it really hard to defend and not be unless you're gonna be ultra basic on that side of the ball and then we can pick you apart. Um, but we'll be up-tempo, multiple tempos, I should say, too. You know, we'll huddle at times. We'll go really fast at times. We'll check with the sideline and mess with tempos. Um, But I I hope to be – you'll see a lot of shifts, motions, moving around, and then be really simplistic, though, too. I don't want to run a ton of concepts. Um, I just want to do it out of a lot of different personnels and a lot of different looks. I don't proclaim to be a guru and X's and O's and things like that, because I don't think you win that way. If Your kids don't play fast uh, and play confident. I mean, it's all kind of worthless to me, right? We just got to play really hard, really fast, really physical. Um, I believe even though I've been a receiver guy, I play tight end and now I'm a quarterback coach. I mean, I believe in running the football. I believe that your own line is the heartbeat of your entire football program, right? So I want to get a bunch of nasty dudes up front and some, some running backs that will run through your face. Um, and I want to challenge people into the fourth quarter, right? And then let's see what you got. But um, I'm hoping this year I think you'll see a little bit more of, probably a little bit more spread out. I think we got some talented receivers. Um, I think we're really talented at running back. Um, so I think you'll see a little bit more two-back sets, spread it out a little bit with our wide outs. Um, and as we continue to develop, hopefully get some more tight ends in here. Um, they can help us. It's such a hard position to recruit though. They're hard to find. Um, they're hard to project because usually they're playing something else and anymore, everybody's all up tempo and it's flexing them out. So um, that's kind of our project right now, seeing how many of those type of bodies we can find. And ideally we get to the point where maybe I don't have to coach quarterbacks. We get somebody else in and over time, you know, with funding and things like that. And then I can move to just coaching those guys and be a little bit more holistic with our approach, which I think, It'll fit my personality and fit what we want to do moving forward.
1: Yeah, and I don't care about defense, so everybody knows that. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let Coach Tenenhoff know. Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, you know we'll just talk offense because offense wins, baby. <laughs> um, but uh, so here's another question: You've been here for about a month now, if I'm not mistaken. What's the biggest? Uh, what's the best thing about Sioux City compared to Minot, North Dakota? We have Chipotle. <laughs> we have chick-fil-A and I could care less about it. <laughs> yeah that's uh, you' you're speaking to this podcast. yeah we, we talk a lot about food on here. yeah so that's, there's uh, literally
2: like I love my not, so I don't want to ever talk that but there's nothing there in terms of yep. like food or anything like I mean I realize now like I never thought I was really at the end of the earth while I was there but now that I'm here, Mm -hmm. Not so biased to it anymore. Like we were literally the end of the
1: earth. Yeah, that's. uh, I mean, you know, and you know this, coach, and Matt knows this. I I coached at Dickinson State for two Uh years, and you know, Dickinson's considerably smaller than Minot. Oh yeah, and probably further away from things than Minot. But I feel the same way. You know, I didn't. I didn't think that at the time. Now my wife certainly did. Um, but uh, you know, then you get to a place like Sioux City that's a lot bigger and just Mm -hmm. has things and it is a difference for sure. Yeah.
0: So you're looking for tight ends and I know a lot of tight ends in, in the NFL, you know, have uh, basketball backgrounds too. So as kind of a little crossover question here, I'll ask both of you guys who on the charger uh, basketball program could come over and uh, play some tight end for you. I'm guessing maybe Gib, Gib might, might have the physical Well, do that. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, I would say, uh, yeah, Andrew Gibbs, a physical kid at 6'4, six, 6'3. Six, mm-hmm. um, you know, Kyle Borhave at 6'6, six, six, he was a high school receiver um, and a pretty good one. Um, you know, he's 6'6, six, six, 215. You know, if he put on 30 pounds, he'd probably be a heck of a tight end. Yep. But, uh, you know, as you both know, we're not the world's biggest basketball team. <laughs> and so there are not, not a lot of tight end bodies out there for us. But, uh, you know, we actually – we had some really good football players on our team. Um, Connor Groves was an all-state receiver at Sergeant Bluff. Uh, Quinn DC, you know, his, he was a quarterback in high school, and his team went to the Final Four at the Dome. Um, Andrew Gibb was actually a quarterback, an option one. And uh, I, I know I'm missing some guys. Those are the ones that kind of stand out. I mean, we had some good football players. They're just not going to blow you away with their uh, physicality <laughs> or their size. Yeah.
0: So we, we touched on restaurants here, um, Coastal Ledeige, but, it, you know, has Swigera gotten you out to some of the Sioux City staple-type places, the Miles Inns, the Lawanitas, any of those? I'm you know, I've invited them a couple times I'm now, disappointed
1: but... to say I haven't. <laughs> and I, I've been invited a couple times, and it just, you know, one was a, we were coming back from Concordia. That game did not go well. Um <laughs> I was not at all going to be pleasant to be around and so I just kind of shielded everybody from myself. Um, you know, and so just, we haven't, but I know, uh, I know, you know, coach and, and Corby, our baseball coach n- had knew each other prior and and I'm sure Corby's hooked him up and Corby's a Sioux city native. So, yep. yeah, you know, he, he knows that stuff better than I do for sure. We've, uh, we have become townhouse regulars already.
2: So, uh, yeah, we spent a couple weekends there, so try and nope. That's the Briarcliff spot, I hear. So,
1: Pizza. I'm enjoying it
2: while I can. None of our families are here yet, and that changes this week. So we've we've tried to <laughs> to hit all the spots and enjoy our weekends a little bit until uh, all chaos ensues with kids and everything. Oh yeah,
0: back. then it's macaroni and cheese and chicken nuggets for the future, yep. <laughs> <days. Yeah>, right? <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, one of the things you talked about emphasizing is trying to um, build a recruiting base here in the region. Um, and, you know, I've been following you guys on Twitter a little bit, and I've seen some of the signees that you've gotten locally and uh-huh. a couple from Des Moines and the area. You know, how do you, how do you start the process of building relationships with high school coaches in the area if if you don't know much about them and they don't know much about you, how much of your time now in the offseason do you spend actually uh, on outreach with high school programs throughout, you know, Iowa, Nebraska, South Dakota, the region?
2: You know, right now it's been probably not enough is what you'd like in terms of being able to really spend the time with the coaches. We've reached out to everybody, more so introducing ourselves, say hey, we're here now. You know, obviously this is a heavy recruiting time for us. So if you got some guys we need to be, in contact with for this year's class especially and in the next year um you know please let us know you know typically in football you know springtime is when you're going out and you're kind of combing through everything for next year's class um and that's where you get a lot of time to spend with the coaches where you know when you go into a school you're really not talking to the kids you know you're getting a list from the coach and then you're really getting some time to just hang out with the coach and you might talk some scheme stuff, whatever it is, just kind of BS. You know, my goal would be to, you know, I want to get to every high school within a two to three hour radius of here with whatever assistant coach and our staff is recruiting that area. Now COVID has obviously changed a lot of that, you know, whether it's our school policy of where you can go, whether it's the high school state policy of can you come to school, whatever, if they're even in school. Um, So that's changed a lot and made it challenging. You know, I, I'm going to recruit all the schools here in Sioux City and, like, Sergeant Bluff in this direct area. Um, so I've, I've definitely talked with all of them so far. Um, yeah, I've been over to East. We signed a kid at East, so I, I went over there. Coach is awesome over there, um, and he's been really good to me. Over in Des Moines North, Coach Addy over there has been great to us. You know, when we had recruits on campus and signed the kids from there, he, he brought them over. Um, so we got some really good time with him, and he's – he's been huge in reaching out to all the other coaches you know in the state and saying hey really enjoyed my time meeting with the coaches over there they put on a good visit they really got something good going on and that's you get that type of word of mouth that's going to change a lot in a hurry Um, and then coach Koziel our recruiting coordinator DB's coach he was at Lauris College and recruited a lot of the state and he's developed really good relationships and he's He's a heck of a recruiter. I mean, I think seven of the nine guys we've signed so far were his area, and he's working this west side of the state and then into Omaha, and so he's developed really good relationships uh, with the players and coaches too. So, But, yeah, whether it's the high school coaches, a lot of the trainers in the area, you know, we need to develop relationships. Starting to find some Briarcliff alums out there too that are coaching, which is obviously huge. Um, You know, but we're – there's no secret we're fighting – a battle against some of the other schools that have had some success lately and do a good job recruiting this this region. And when we weren't before, you really put yourself back. So, and this time, again, with some excitement, you know, and some getting some press and things like that, you know, in the newspaper, you got to take advantage of it. And you got to get into these high schools while they're, while you're noticeable, right? Before it kind of, you know, the honeymoon phase goes away. So I think we're doing a good job it's going to take time and they, it's relationships. It can't be fake. It's got to be genuine. And I think we got to offer something up to the high school coaches too, of you know, chalk talks and actually bringing them some sort of value to um, and genuinely wanting their guys. Right. And really right now, quite honestly, I mean, they could be awesome. But we're going to take some kids that maybe aren't the best talent right now from these local areas to get them on our roster. Cause it's important to me. To have them here. And we'll develop a few of them, right, that maybe aren't great now that nobody else wants that will end up being really good players for us too. So that's kind of been our focus right now.
0: So you've got how many returners from last year? Fifty. Okay, and then you're working on your class for this year. So, you know, what, what does year one look like? I mean, obviously, looking at this realistically, it's going to take some time to come in and get things going the way you want it going. So what – I mean, mm-hmm. w- when you talk to the guys, what is going to be your – you know, two or three things that you're really going to emphasize in year one?
2: Well, right now it's, you know, culture. We need to develop a, a culture where guys are really actually doing the right things all the time. Um, to be quite frank, I think a lot of our guys right now, they, they say the right things that they want, but their actions nowhere near match that. They have no idea what it actually takes. Um, so trying to develop that, that culture and that sense of like, this is actually what it looks like. And this is actually how we do it. And let's start actually putting our money where our mouth is. Um, Two, being much better academically um, is a really a a focal point for us right now. The GPA when I got here is not great. And I don't sugarcoat things with them. What you see is what you get with me. And so when it's not good enough, everybody's gonna know whether it's me, the community, campus, it's all fair game. and so. We've worked really hard in that aspect. I think a lot of our guys, the majority of our guys are bought into it. We've had a little fight back and trying to educate why this is not just coming to play football. Um, but a lot of our guys that really actually struggled last fall have really enjoyed what we're doing with them now from an academic support and it's really helped them. And they're, it's shocking to them, you know, like you're actually doing well in school and look at how well you're doing in the weight room and. The things that are football related, it all goes hand in hand. And three, I think, just weird how that works, isn't it? Yeah, like shocking. High GPA teams usually are high achievers on the field. And then third, I think, is just truly learning how to compete consistently, and within that, developing good fundamentals. And you know, the spring, our goal is to not install a ton of plays and schemes on either side of the ball, but really develop a foundation of who we are and create a base. So this next group of guys, we're going to bring in in the fall. They can lean on the guys that have been here, you know, and we can hopefully move forward. Um, but I want to win, right. If we find ourselves in a a position to compete and win football games, we're going to do everything we can. I will never sell it to our players that we don't, we're not going to go out on Saturday and try to win games, but I'm very much more process oriented guy and not worry about the scoreboard. Let's get the process right and focus on one play at a time, one rep at a time. And then, uh, You know, you'll hear me say, when we get over to Memorial, let's lock the gates and let's fight for 60 minutes and let's look up at the end, right? And one play at a time. And if we leave it all out there, we play as hard as we can, you know, and we can be proud of that. Eventually, the results will start falling our way. Um, And that comes from, again, just doing things the right way, recruiting the right way. Another big goal of mine, just kind of as a sidebar to recruiting locally is we got to create a fan base too. I mean, I've turned on a couple of YouTube games and in the interview process, and it's like, oh, my God, we got nobody in the crowd, right? Uh, that's got to change. But you look at our roster makeup, and I'm not shocked by that, right? When 85 90% of your roster is nowhere from around here, those parents can't come every week, right? That's not realistic. And so yeah. you're not getting a lot of that support, right, from, you know, small school sports. A lot of your fan base becomes, you know, parents and and – local people and grandparents, aunts, uncles, and friends. And when you don't have those people in your program, you're not going to get a lot of that support. So that's kind of been a main focal point for us to to create a a support group and get parents involved and things like that.
0: All right, well, uh, Coach uh, Ladegi, you know, I think Coach Figueras shared with you our starting five category for the week. And, And every week we do a starting five, which is basically a top five in a category that I come up with. And so uh, in honor of today being Super Bowl Sunday, um, Patrick Mahomes against Tom Brady and Tom Brady being one of the, probably one of the more polarizing athletes of the last 20 years, love him or hate him. Um, you know, I thought maybe let's do our starting five with athletes you love to hate. Uh, and Mark and I talked about this in the grocery store for a minute this morning about, you know, would Brady be on my list? And it's, it's hard to say. Okay. Um, you know, whether it's hatred or just respect or jealousy or whether that it's like the whole, uh, what's the Star Wars thing? Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to blah, 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 all the way to the dark side. It's one of those things. But I think it probably starts with respect. So uh, but anyway, I'm going to leave it to you guys to name
1: your starting five lineups of uh, athletes you love to hate. All right. So, you know, so, Shane, so, you know, I normally position my starting five as like it's a basketball team. And I'm actually not going to do that today because this is, this is a big category, and I'm going to go in reverse order from yep. least hatred to most hatred. Um, and, and you feel free to do it however you want to do it, but that's how I'm going to do it today. Yep. And a lot of times with our guests, we alternate our picks. So, we'll do however you want. Okay, we're going to do it that way. So okay. the least hatred in my starting five of athletes I love to hate is LeBron James. Um, okay. It all stems back to my love of Michael Jordan, as a kid and the comparisons that yep. piss me off every time I hear them because it's not comparable, but uh, you know, I love LeBron's game. He's a winner, you know, all those things, but it's more the comparison. So there's not a ton of hate there, but I do love to hate LeBron. Yep. I do like to see him losing the finals to the warriors. Mm-hmm. He'll be, he'll be somewhere on my list,
2: um, <laughs> <like> but, <laughs> but my number five, taking it to not really a, a traditional sport, Lance Armstrong, cheater, Mm-hmm. um obviously had his cancer issues but really flipped that into making a lot of people in my opinion feel sorry for him when he knew on the back end he was blood doping and doing all that stuff and uh yeah just not a not a big fan and uh everybody wore the livestrong bracelets and all that and he made a crap ton of money off people and the, of the day he was a raging cheater in my opinion so he's my
1: number five you know I should have said this ahead of time that there's probably some conventional picks that I was huge fans of. Um, like my all-time favorite baseball player is Barry Bonds. And I, I think I've actually said on the podcast before, I think steroids should come back in baseball because it was way <laughs> more fun in the nineties. Yeah, yep. uh, More people were following it, but I was a huge Dennis Rodman fan. I was yep. a huge Barry Bonds fan, you know, and I'm sure there's other, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm not a Tom Brady fan, but he's not on my list um you know i kind of like tom brady yeah but uh you know so i do need to preface there's a couple uh that are probably common picks that will be nowhere near my list so my number four is sorry coach john elway
2: oh that's yeah <laughs> I, uh,
1: <laughs> so i i i'm a i'm a 49ers fan and i was a huge 49ers fan as a kid and the first super bowl i ever remember watching was 1989 when the The Niners beat the Broncos like 55 to 10 or whatever crazy number it was. And so I didn't really hate the Broncos at all until my little brother became a diehard Broncos fan and being the big brother, I needed to, you know, you know, dig at him as much as I could. So I just started hating John Elway. Then they won back-to-back Super Bowls and obviously respect him and all that. But I hated John Elway back in the nineties. So he makes my list at number four. Fair enough. That hurts though. He's my (laughs) all-time favorite athlete. So
2: number four on my list, Ben Roethlisberger. I just cannot stand his personality. I think he's a heck of a football player and God, he's super talented, but I just for some reason, he just makes my skin crawl listening to him. Obviously, he's had some issues off the field, whatever, but I just I hate how he competes sometimes. i just it's shocking to me. I think leadership standpoint that he has been as good as he's been at that position. Right. And I just, for whatever reason, I just, he's bothered me since the moment he stepped in the league and he will continue to be that way forever for me.
1: Um, all right. So my number three, Reggie Miller. Um, and actually my next two are all going to stem from the same thing that I was such a Chicago Bulls fan in the nineties, but I hated Reggie Miller. I hated the Pacers. I hated the Knicks. I hated the Pistons. And, you know, the Bulls always beat them all. But he was like – he was always going to hit a big shot. The Pacers were going to beat the Bulls. Reggie Miller was going to hit a big shot. He was a trash talker, which I actually loved, but I hated about him. And so he he gets to make the list at number three.
2: My number three, Tony Parker,
1: because I'm a diehard
2: Nuggets fan. (laughs) And the Spurs have always been a thorn in their side when they were the Carmelo era when they were always meeting up in the playoffs and the Spurs always found a way to beat them. And Tony Parker always found a way to be clutch in those series. And I just, I hate him for it. I hate him. I thought the Nuggets had a shot
1: there for a while and he always found a way to ruin it. Yeah. That's, I wasn't expecting that one out of you, but it makes sense. (laughs) Um, All right. So my number two is Isaiah Thomas um, for a lot of the same reasons of, of Reggie Miller, but they also beat the bulls early on in Jordan's career. And, you know, he froze Jordan out of the all-star game. He kind of pissed off a lot of people in the NBA and he went to Indiana who I don't like, you know, so there's just a lot to, to really dislike about Isaiah Thomas. And so he, he's my number two. My number two, the Dominican Sue, I think (laughs) is the, the
2: dirtiest (laughs) player in the NFL. And, uh, I just man the stomping on guys and all that and I just
1: so so basically today for the Super Bowl you're in a position where a division rival of your favorite team's playing but you're going to cheer for one of your most hated (laughs) athletes for the Bucs is this yeah I'm not cheering for him that's right (laughs) yeah
2: yeah. end of the day I just want a good football game right but I cannot stand that guy I won't be shocked if he finds a way to stomp on Patrick Mahomes at some point today
1: All right. So my number one, I've gone a little outside of the parameters of, of what Matt put forward here. Um, my number one is Nebraska football. (laughs) I I despise everything about Nebraska football and people who listen to this podcast. know I'm an Iowa Hawkeye fan. I grew up in Omaha in the nineties while Nebraska was winning national championships. I hate them. I root against them every opportunity I can. Um, you know, and I didn't want to just pinpoint one person within the program. It's just an all-encompassing Nebraska football. I'd love to hate them.
2: Okay, so before I give you my number one, if, if Nebraska offered you an assistant coach basketball position, how would you feel about that?
1: I said Nebraska football, coach. Okay. Fair, fair, <laughs> I, fair. You know what? And, and, and I've never really rooted against Nebraska basketball. Yeah. Growing up I you know I'm a Hawkeye fan but I'm also a Creighton fan in basketball being an Omaha guy yep. so I've always rooted for Creighton over Nebraska but I've never rooted against Nebraska and okay, I good. I think Fred Hoyberg's a great coach I was a, I'm a big Tim Miles fan when he was the coach oh, yeah. there. so um you know it's just uh it's it's a football thing and okay. and I know that growing up in Colorado we've already talked about it that yes. you also yes. despise Nebraska football the spies, but I promise
2: you if they were to offer me a job, someday, I would have a hard time. And my dad, I don't know what he'd do, though. My dad has never – so when I was at Wyoming, there was legitimate traction that Coach Bull might have got the job, and we were all prepared for it. Sure. And I wow. called my dad. I'm like, Dad, what are you going to do? But I played for the <laughs> And that was hard on him. I, I still don't know. He never said – he couldn't find the words to tell me what he'd do. Wow. All right, number one. I already said he'd be on my list somewhere, LeBron James. I just – I agree, ultra-talented, ultra-successful. I do not think he has any bit of the killer instinct that Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant had, or even a Larry Bird for that matter. I just – I mean, Kobe Bryant pops his Achilles, hits free throws, walks off the court. LeBron James at one point, like, rolled his ankle or had some injury, and he had to have a bunch of guys carry him off the floor. I just – There's some of that savage, just total ultra-competitor that I don't think he has, and it kills me. And I don't think him and Michael Jordan are even on the same wave. If Michael Jordan in his prime and LeBron in his prime, Michael Jordan would dominate it, Yep. just from a competitive standpoint. I think the only other guy that could have been anywhere close is Kobe. I think Kobe could have have played in that era, too. But I don't think LeBron could have.
1: All right, so I'm going to throw a bonus question out there. Who's coaching this team of your – Players you love to hate. It has to be a coach Ooh. that you love to hate. Now,
2: oh, Bill Belichick.
1: Okay, mine's Just John the Calipari. Worst. Is who? John Calipari.
2: <laughs> oh, that's a I, that's a better Pretty pick good
0: than mine. Much better pick than mine.
1: Oh, oh, that's good.
0: All right. Well, next though we got to get coach's life rule here, and uh, as our listeners know, Coach Figueroa every week will share a little tidbit of life knowledge and wisdom that he's gathered along his uh, time here on the planet. So, uh, Coach Figueroa, I'll turn it over to you. What do you have this week? No,
1: life rule, and it's, it's simple. Don't ever celebrate something until it's a sure thing. And obviously that comes into play with, with Wednesday night's game. And, you know, like I said, our bench was going nuts, and they should have been. And the crowd was going nuts, and they should have been. But, uh, you know, you don't ever want to feel the sense of relief until it's a sure thing. So that, that can work in life in a lot of ways. So there you go. All right,
0: simple enough. Um, And with that, we'll go ahead and do our weekly shout outs. Um, And I'm going to give a shout out based just on something you mentioned earlier, coach, about how I think one game total this conference season was moved, uh, which is really unbelievable that all of the administrators and coaches and programs throughout the league were able to to make this season happen. And I know it's not quite over yet, but um, we're almost there. And so just shout out to all the administrators, coaches, players, families, schools, everyone who was part of making the uh, GPAC basketball season happen. Um, huge accomplishment, especially when three four months ago, people were talking about whether it should or even will happen. So a uh, huge shout out to everyone there. It's been nice to have some kind of normalcy or something to watch during these winter months, even if I couldn't get to all the games. Um, it was great to watch watch the kids compete. So shout out to everyone involved with
1: that. All right. So I don't want this to be long and drawn out, but I meant to say this at the beginning, but it's actually going to lead me into my shout out too. So I need to clarify something from the last podcast with, uh, with coach Matt Wilber from Dakota Wesleyan. He he brought up my hairstyles that I've allegedly have a lot, had a lot of, and I talked about in college, I had a phase where I had a shaved head and, and big sideburns. And I said, that's when I met my wife, but she wants everybody to know, that was not the hairstyle I had when we started dating. That was that was that was pre her and I dating. I just need to clarify that for her. Um, you know, we also talked about that we thought Coach Wilbur had been the the guest that had been on the most, and we're actually wrong, Matt. Jackson Lamb's been on more than anybody, um, in the history yeah, of the BC Yes. And I I was thinking about this Jackson was at the game yesterday, and it leaves me in my shout out. That's a couple months overdue. But Jackson got into PA school um, just over Christmas, which is what. You know, he was a pre-med major, um, and so he's going to be going to PA school next year. So shout-out to Jackson.
2: All Coach. right. My shout-out will be uh, – it'll be specifically our D.C. Coach Tenenoff wife and my wife because um, we both have two little kids at home. Uh, but then all the other – we have fiancé, girlfriend, whatever for the rest of our staff. We've all been here – well, I've been here five weeks. The rest of our staff has been here about a month we've been living on campus, no families here yet. So especially Coach Tenenoff's wife, Savea, and my wife, Mickey, of holding down the fort at home with two little kids and not a lot of help. Um, My wife told me on Wednesday when I get home, I'm walking in and she's walking out. So um, (laughs) shout out to them for uh, just dealing with those and taking I I couldn't have done it. There is no way in hell I could have done this for five weeks with (laughs) two little girls without any help, so. Shout out to them for, for doing all the stuff that allows us to be here doing what we're doing.
0: All right, well, Coach Ledege, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, hopefully you've by now had a little bit of a chance to settle in and hopefully once the family gets down here, you'll have a even more of a chance to settle in and get them settled in. But, uh, you know, speaking for myself, I'm excited to see what uh, you and your staff does with the program. Um, you know, the energy and, and what I've seen with what you've been communicating on Twitter and the way you've gone about talking about your recruiting so far early in in your tenure here. Um, I'm excited about about the things you guys are doing already. So uh, looking forward to this fall. Hopefully uh, you guys have a, a good offseason. People stay healthy and all that kind of stuff. So we'll check in from time to time and uh, maybe we'll get you back on the podcast next fall. For sure. For sure. Anytime. Thanks, guys. All right. So with that, uh, no games to talk about for this week, we will be back next week and then we'll talk about the DORT game that'll be taking place on the 20th. Uh, but until then, uh, if you're watching the Super Bowl tonight, uh, make sure you have your chief shirt on. If not, just enjoy the game uh, safely and, and have a good time. Make sure you get to work tomorrow morning on time. Uh, but with that, uh, we're going to say goodbye for this week and we'll catch you next time.